0: Welcome to Diane Canada Live. Hello, everybody. I am happy to report that I am in much higher spirits than I was in yesterday. (laughs) Yesterday was a bit of a tough day. but uh, So I I really enjoyed getting so many of the emails and comments from you all. They were, it looks like a lot of us were on the same page yesterday and feeling a lot of the same emotions as we inaugurated in a new president. So uh, thank you for those. Thank you for tuning in today. I am so excited about our show today. I've got a very, very special guest that I'm going to introduce you to. It's a privilege to call him a friend. And uh, before we get too deep into the subject today, I just want to kind of touch for a minute on what what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, the topic of today's is finding common ground in a polarized world. And I think the timing of this could not be better right after an inauguration. You know, I'm I hear so many folks, I, I get a lot of uh, messages and a lot of emails from people that feel like they're almost watching like a, a An NFL game or something. It's like we're on different teams and everybody's, you know, rooting for their teams and we have some sore winners and some sore losers. But you guys, what's at stake here is not a Super Bowl trophy. What's at stake here is our freedom. And so we've got to come together. We have got to do better. And my guest today is going to really give us some nuts and bolts on how to find that common ground. It's great to say it, that we need it, but it's a whole other thing when we're talking about how, like what, specifically we can do to start finding common ground in this polarized world and coming together as unified Americans. It's so, so important. So let me bring in my good friend, Dr. Ming Wang. Hello, Dr. Wang. How are you?
1: Hello, Diane. Thank you so much for to be on your show.
0: Thank you for thank you for being here. I'm going to go through and just tell you all a little bit about Dr. Wang because uh, he his story is so compelling uh, but I think it's important that you understand just a, an overview first. So Dr. Wang is the co-founder of the nonprofit Common Ground Network. He dedicated his life. Uh, his mission is to help us find common ground as a teenager. Now, this is the compelling part. As a teenager, Dr. Ming fought valiantly to escape China's cultural revolution, during which millions of innocent youth were deported to remote areas to face a life sentence of hard labor and poverty. He came to America in the 80s with only $50 in his pocket, went on to earn two doctorate degrees, one in laser physics and one in medicine, graduated with the highest honors from both Harvard and MIT. It's, it's an amazing story. Dr. Wang also founded the Wang Foundation for Sight Restoration. He's helped patients from over 50, 40 states in the U.S. and 55 countries, all with sight restoration sur- surgeries performed free of charge. Dr. Wang was named the Kiwanis Nashvilleian for the year for his lifelong dedication to help helping the blind, orphaned children from around the world. So there's so much more to say, but Dr. Wang, you're such an inspiration, and it's just my pleasure and my honor to have you here today.
1: Thank you, Diane, and thank you for this wonderful opportunity. I think what you're doing in terms of uh, bringing some of the important issues of our time into the forefront of our thinking to help all of us um, communicate and understand and educate ourselves on important issues of our society, so important. I'm going to uh, begin today with two parts in terms of the audio video in the middle, you and I chat, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to show you a few slides and one one quick video first. Yeah. So, yeah, this is slide basically shows that, as you mentioned, that I founded, co-founded the nonprofit organization, Common Ground Network, to study how we can help uh, ourselves find the common ground in a very polarized nation. Next slide. You know, our country is so polarized. What that means is that we are increasingly fixated on our differences rather than appreciating what we have in common.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We really need to overcome the polarization and to find the common ground. Next slide. And sometimes friends ask me, say, why Ming, you mean you're so motivated to help us overcome the polarization and find the common ground? My answer is very simple, because I have suffered an extreme form of polarization, which is dictatorship. You know, every day I take care of patients with vision problems. You know, who appreciate sight the most are those who used to be blind, who appreciate freedom the most. Those who used to not have freedom. I'm someone who used to not have freedom, so I appreciate so much the freedom and liberty we have here in America. And the polarization can destroy freedom. That's why I'm so motivated to help us find the common ground. Next slide. So this is my autobiography from darkness to sight. Um, actually, it's been made into a major motion picture, Sight Now.
2: From darkness to sight is a story of one man's inspirational journey of turning fear, poverty, persecution, and prejudice into healing and love for others. It demonstrates how focus, determination, humility, and profound faith can inspire a life that in turn impacts that of countless others. To order your copy of Dr. Wang's riveting autobiography From Darkness to Sight, please visit www.fromdarknesstosight.com.
0: Um, So that is the trailer from the motion picture that is coming out. And I know a lot of folks are going to be curious when they can expect to see that, Dr. Wang.
1: Yeah, the movie actually will be shot in the next uh, few months in Vancouver, Canada, because they have a big Chinatown over there. And uh, the movie probably will come out later this year. Uh, We may compete for Oscar 2022.
0: I love it. <laughs> I love it. Well, one of the things that you said, and I've heard you say this many times before, is that the people who appreciate sight the most, with you being such an innovative and such a world-renowned now eye surgeon, um, people who appreciate sight the most, you say, are those who were once blind. And people who appreciate freedom the most are those who at one point were not free. And I think that... In America, here we have another form of blindness uh, that a lot of our a lot of our young people and even those in my generation too that that take our freedom for granted because we've always had it. So one of the things I would love to discuss with you from your perspective is how do we appreciate our freedom more when we don't know what it's like to be without it? How do we reach those people?
1: That's uh, such an important question, Diane. You know, um, first of all, 2020, we had this big virus, but it's almost like a stress test. You know, we review some underlying heart problem if we go on the treadmill going through a stress test. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: stress test will review some underlying pre-existing medical conditions. So the stress test of 2020 was the COVID virus.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. That stress test, the COVID virus, so tragically, you know, kill so many people that destroyed our economy and we're fighting to come back. But at the same time, it has actually revealed in the pre-existing and deeper, a bigger and a longer lasting virus in all of us. Mm-hmm. And that is the virus of polarization. Mm-hmm. So as we are hopefully coming out of the pandemic now this year, 2021, we need to realize that That medical virus has now revealed a deeper uh, virus in all of us, which is the virus of polarization, which means, as I said, uh, increased fixation of what makes us different rather than appreciating what we have in common. Uh, Looking at a a cup which is half full, instead of uh, saying uh, half empty, can we change our behavior and perspective, uh, perspective and ask ourselves, uh, say, can we just say it's half full? Mm-hmm.
2: You know,
1: life is about uh, recognizing, remind ourselves the blessing we have in America. But your question is exactly the heart of the problem. The reason we are so polarized is because we don't appreciate as, as much the freedom, liberty we have in America. And the reason that we don't appreciate as much the freedom, liberty, is because we don't know, by and large, most of the Americans today, what it was and is still Like in so much parts of the world, even today, Mm -hmm. such as, you know, think about what's going on in Hong Kong, the Mm -hmm. deprivation of human rights, the oppression of those students. Mm -hmm. Think about what's going on in China, Soviet Union, and so many parts of the world that the freedom and liberty is still not possible. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And the human nature is such that we, if we always have something, we do tend to take things for granted. So, what you ask is such an important question that how can we, especially our youth, young people in America, to let them feel the pain and suffering of folks in so much parts of the world, even today, who still don't have freedom and liberty. Now you think about, you know, lots of thousands of people are walking, you know, from South America, going across Mexico, Mm -hmm. and these people are trying to enter United States. Mm -hmm. And they say, okay, lots of these are illegal immigrants, but you ask yourself, why? Why they put up such an extreme human suffering? Mm-hmm. That's because they know that if they somehow can survive that, what's waiting for them is worth all the sacrifice. What is that? Waiting for them is an opportunity to live here in America. Mm-hmm. But people like us living here, we tend not to appreciate it because we always have had freedom in America, the freedom to get an education
2: mm-hmm. for the
1: young people. So your question is so important. There's no magic solution how can we make our young people appreciate the freedom rather than getting things just free? Mm-hmm. So I feel the only way perhaps is to find a way to let, ask our young people, encourage them to read the real life stories such as my biography mm-hmm. and the movie site, mm-hmm. to feel the pain and suffering of another youngster who at Johnny's age, at age 14, Like me, despite being a straight student, I got kicked out of school after ninth grade
2: Mm. in China
1: during cultural revolution. And I had to play music, learning dancing, or to avoid being sent away to labor camp for life, a devastating fate that fell upon 20 million other high school graduates. I fought against that, came to this country with only $50, who could still make it? Johnny should be able to make it. Don't be lazy. (laughs) Get up in the morning, go to school, study hard, pull up your grades. Johnny should realize that he has the freedom to get in America, to get an education. A freedom that was not available to me in communist China during cultural revolution. A freedom that is still not available in so much parts of the world, even today. So to answer your question succinctly, is we need to find a way to let our, especially young people in America, to somehow learn and feel the pain and suffering of people in other part of the world, even today, that who still don't have freedom. Mm -hmm. That's the only way Mm
2: -hmm.
1: we can make our young people uh, appreciate the freedom more and don't take the freedom for granted because we may have freedom today, but it's not guaranteed we'll still be there tomorrow Mm -hmm. unless our young people stand up, work harder, defend their freedom.
0: You're so right, Dr. Wang. I'm going to, I'm going to show this little clip here from, uh, from Ronald Reagan. It was a quote that he had, uh, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected and handed on off to them to do the same. Or one day we will spend our sunset years telling them what it was like to have freedom in America. I want to, uh, I want to, talk about your book. I have my copy here. And uh, thank you so much for signing this for me. Um, I treasure it. And I have read your book and it is so compelling. And I do think that uh, seeing a movie or reading a book uh, does help. I also think just telling the story, I'd love for you to paint a picture, if you would, just for a couple of minutes of what it was like, what a day in your life was like in communist China when you were growing up. What are the freedoms that you now have that you didn't have there? If you could just give us an example of one or two.
1: So imagine yourself today at age 14. Grew up in a family very poor with only $15 combined household income by my parents. Hmm. You work hard. You are straight A. You're looking forward to attending 10th grade and beyond, graduating from 9th grade. Government announced to you today, Ming, get out of school, you're going to be sent away to labor camp for life, completely destroying your future. How would you feel? And that is the devastating fate of being sent away to labor camp that fell upon 20 million young people in China during the 10-year Cultural Revolution from 1966 to 1976, Mm -hmm. in which the government shut down all universities and colleges and sent away 20 million Young people to labor camp. I can't so even that's and suffering.
0: Hmm. I can't even imagine that. You know, one of the things that you did, and I know this from your story, but one of the things that you did to try to prevent a, a future, a, a ruined future in labor camp was you learned how to play an instrument. The Erhu, I believe is how you say it. And uh, I'd love for you to just share a little bit about. The, that particular experience, what was it about learning an instrument that would save you from labor camp?
1: Uh, because my parents found out that uh, one of the ways to escape being sent away to labor camp for life was to learn a instrument, music instrument or learn to dance because communist governments still needed musicians and mm-hmm. dancers in its song and dance propaganda troops if you could get in there, you might be able to be exempted from deportation, being allowed to stay in the cities. Then I stayed pl- practicing my Chinese violin, Erhu, learning how to dance. But then uh, the government discovered my little boy that I was learning music, dance, the instrument, and learning dancing with an ulterior motive. Really, not for music dancing per se, but to avoid being sent over to labor camp. They stopped that. It's interesting, and to give a perspective. These days, sometimes friends here in America say, oh, Ming, it's so nice. You have a hobby. You can play an okay. instrument. You can dance. It must be nice to have these hobbies. Mm-hmm. You know what I say? I said, I, I didn't learn these dancing and music instruments as a hobbies. I learned it to survive.
0: To survive. I, I want to put up a picture here real quick, Dr. Wang, of you. Uh, back in the day learning the air who and then this is a more recent picture of you performing this on stage so looking at this right now what would you say to the young ming wang here learning based on what you have experienced now in america what would you say
1: i would say to myself at age 14 then trying to learn this instrument trying to escape labor camps uh, Young man, you did it right. You didn't give up. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes life, it seems to be at the end of the line. But what maintaining that um, a drive and dedication is that hope, is mm-hmm. that belief that there is a way that if one continue to maintain that hope, believe that there's a way to get out of the darkness. Mm-hmm. And of course, looking back now, I realized that God always had a purpose for me because um, letting me going through a life of suffering and hardship is helping uh, now as a su- eye surgeon being be- more able to emotionally connect mm-hmm. my patients mm-hmm. who are suffering in darkness could not see um, and uh, uh, give me their motivation and emotional as an eye surgeon to help them get out of darkness now, Mm. because I used to be in that darkness myself. You know, Mm. maybe I can have, just to go through the few more slides, I want to kind of illustrate Mm. some of the things uh, that I've been doing over the last few decades since I came to America, they're trying to figure out how to appreciate America, you know, what the freedom I have. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: I always feel the best way. So this slide basically shows that I came to understand that America is about freedom, it's about common ground because people from all over the world, you know. It's about faith in Jesus Christ, and it's also, you know, this is sometimes that people forget, it's also about responsibility. Because we cannot just enjoy America, the freedom, liberty. We also have the responsibility to keep America strong. And I'll show you a few slides. Next slide, please. So as I said, our country is so polarized. The only way to overcome the polarization is to find common ground. Next slide. So over the three decades that since I came to America, I developed this compassion and um, just urge, a burden in my heart. I want to help uh, America, help myself, help my friends, fellow citizens of America. How can we find the common ground? How? Next slide. So with Dr. Rice Brooks, we have established the common ground network, a nonprofit organization to study how to find common ground. Next slide. Mm-hmm. And uh, what well, we have established the common ground seeking principles is the steps. S start thinking about common ground, asking yourself why you want to do that. Second, trade places, speaking in the language of listener. Put yourself in others' shoes. Number three, E empathy. The SALT principle, S-A-L-T. Um, start a conversation, ask a question, listen, then and only then, talk, SALT. And the P is for partnership, and last S is seek common ground put into action. You know who inspires us to formulate this common ground seeking steps? Is none other than Jesus Christ himself, because Christ's life is the best embodiment of the common ground seeking steps. He was the one started thinking about human being, our suffering. He's the one who traded the places with us. He became one of us. He's the one demonstrated empathy to people in the lowest rung of the society. He was the one who demonstrated the power of partnership. And finally, he was the one who put all into action, truly seeking common ground with us as human beings. Next slide, we have a few more slides. We actually about to be publishing common ground Bible study. The aggregating, all the script, part of scripture has to do with common ground, such as blessed are the peacemakers. And I think it's so, so, so important for Christians and also non-Christians, people with other faiths in religion or even people who don't have faith. Because as human beings, we all need to learn how to find a common ground, how to love and develop relationship with someone who even disagree with you. Next slide. So just a few examples, a few slides that demonstrating how we've been doing to actually find the common ground. This is the Tennessee Immigrant Minority Business Group. It's an organization I co-founded seven years ago, aggregating the business men and women of Latino Americans, African Americans, Asian Americans, the Tennessee Immigrant Minority Business Group. Next slide. And our foundation site, foundation help blind orphan children with all the doctors from all over the world at donating our services, and uh, we have helped today a uh, patient from over 40 states in America and 55 countries with all cell restoration surgeries performed free of charge. And that's an example of finding common ground among all the doctors from around the world. Next slide. And also, I've learned that science and faith have common ground because science keep on developing, and we have to we want to study the stem cell and fetal tissue, but we don't want to hurt the baby. So 20 years of research, I uh, came across this piece of tissue called placenta, the amniotic sac. So I'm using placenta. It's like fetal-like tissue, but it's not part of the fetus. I made it into a amniotic membrane contact lens to help elderly patients' eyes to heal without hurting the baby. So amniotic membrane contact lens, uh, our invention, is an example of faith and science have common ground. Next slide. And... Uh, um, our work has been recognized, as you mentioned, by uh, many different organizations. In this case, Kiwanis is National Vailing of the Year, honor. Next slide. And also, 917 Society with uh, our leader, Joni e. Bryan, and Dan, you've been very uh, supportive as well, appreciate it, because the 917 Society has put U.S. Constitution, the foundation of our freedom, in the hands of every eighth graders in America. Next slide. And, uh, um, my, I'm a member of the Bethel World Outreach Church, Pastor James, Pastor Rice Brooks, and that's one of the most culturally diverse church in town. We have 70 nations represented. Next slide. And American, uh, or the Living Sun Ministry is a ministry under Jerry Moore. We study how to apply scripture Monday through Friday. How do you interact with people who don't share the faith and believe? You know, I pray with all my patients before my eye surgery, and I found out it's their love for fellow human beings, whether they believe or not, or would believe different faith. It's their love that transcends the boundary of, uh, faith and religion. That's why I pray with all my patients before the eye surgery. Next slide. And American Bible Project, Steve Skelton and Diane, you've been very supportive as well. Appreciate it. That is put the Bibles back into our schools as a historical, um, uh, evidence that founding Father America was thinking about Christian ba- principle when they founded uh, this great country using the Elk- Atkins Bible, the first American Bible. Next slide. And so if anyone, Diane, they're interested in my appreciating freedom in America by funding common ground presentation at the churches, at schools, and uh, you know, uh, commencement, the Rotary Club or Chamber of Commerce, I would be delighted to um, come and talk, and uh, there's no uh, cost for the presentation. They can let you know that, and then I'll be happy to mail them a book as well, or uh, particularly churches. I feel faith and science have common ground. It's so important.
2: Mm-hmm. Next
1: slide. So in conclusion, that i love to help all of us from the common ground as an immigrant, as someone who appreciates so much the freedom, and liberty we have in this country. Next slide.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think this is the last slide, yes.
0: Yes. Yes, that is all of them. You know, the work that you're doing is is just so very, very important. And uh, I I want to just come back for a minute, if I can, to w- one of the things that you talk about a lot about common ground is that we have to start reaching out to minorities and to people that don't look like us. You know, uh, these the immigration uh the minority and immigration society that you have and um, some of these efforts that you have are wonderful. But, but for those listening that don't live in Tennessee, they live outside of Tennessee and they can't get to one of these with you. I want to just, I would love for you to speak on how do we have groundbreaking conversations with people outside of our ethnic group? You know, one of the things you talk about is that soon um, as our culture is changing so much in in America, soon the, the Caucasian <laughs> race will be a minority here. So can you speak to that for just a couple of minutes for me?
1: Yeah. Yes, uh, 20% of American population today are Latino Americans, 18% are African Americans, and 6% are Asian Americans. These three groups right now consist of 44% of the U.S. population. In about 10 years or so, these three groups will become the majority. Not only that, the average age of whites is 58, and average age of Asian Americans is 29, average age of African Americans, 27, and average age of Latino Americans is only 11. So we know where this country is going, and it will become increasingly diverse uh, country, and the way to reach out to be connected with these minorities and immigrants is to find a way to find the common ground with them, that means, recognize what's important to them, you know, and for the Latin Americans is the immigration, for the African Americans is the civil rights movement, for the Asian Americans is the reverse discrimination. So what's most important to them, just like making a friend, you have to know what's important to your friend in order to make a friend. And not only what's important to them, they also be there. You know, um, they're, they're, they participate in the activities that is important for these ethnic uh, minority immigrants uh, in America today, such as the upcoming Chinese New Year. What is next year, Chinese New Year, what the zodiac, and you know, have you been to Chinese New Year celebration? Be there, listen to them, find out what's more important to them. That's the best way to find a common ground with these folks.
0: Mm-hmm. We have a couple of uh, questions coming in, Dr. Wang, and I want to pose one to you first, and then I want to get to the viewer questions if I can. What is the consequence if we don't find common ground? What will will become of America if we don't figure this out?
1: If we don't find common ground, as you uh, experienced in the last few decades, we are deviating the essence of our nation. The essence of America is freedom, common ground, faith, responsibility. Mm-hmm. That America is an ideal; it's the common good. That is the spirit that we can come together. Doesn't matter where you come originally, come from, what ethnicity, language, culture. We have this magical ability, this magic, the America, American magic that can bring people together with mutual respect. With our system of government, with mm-hmm. the check and balance, with this ability to recognize no one is above the law, I think that's the essence of America. That it is so precious. You, we ask ourselves why we have immigration problem because everybody wants to come to live here,
2: mm-hmm. but we
1: don't have an immigration problem that starts with E that right. everybody wants to leave America. Right. That's because the essence of America is that American ideal. If mm-hmm. we don't connect with people across our society, especially immigrant minorities, we're going to become increasingly polarized nation, and we will lose the essence of America, which is this American ideal. Mm -hmm. Faith, responsibility, freedom, and the common ground.
0: Yes. I think a lot of people right now are feeling, they still feel the spirit of that, but they feel like there is a small group of elite people in government that are, that are ripping that from them, and they feel helpless. We had a question that came through from a viewer that said, "What a, when an election has been outright, in their view, when they when an election has been outright stolen, what do you suggest? You know, what in other words, what I guess what they're asking is, what can we do when we feel like uh, things are being done to fundamentally alter our country, and we feel helpless, we can't do anything about it."
1: Yes, um, that's a very, very real question. And I have two answers. One is um, the beauty of America, the American ideal is that we are unified as a nation, as United States of America, doesn't mean that we all agree with each other. Mm -hmm. So I think the American ideal is the ability to unify as a nation, despite our differences, Mm
2: -hmm. you know?
1: And because in fact, it's the ability to dialogue and converse and discourse, among people has different opinions, but yet we all have the same overall goal, that is to build this country up, keep America strong.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: in this case, I feel the pain and, suffer, pain and suffering of lots of folks that who do not believe the elections fair and there fraud and different issues.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: I think we need to take a longer view. That is, yes, there's transient setbacks, but what the bigger issue is, can we? Uh, unite together as a country. That still recognize that we are America. That we can still work together as a nation. And we still go into debate and sometimes fiercely. So we don't have to agree with someone who, you know, necessarily we don't agree at all. But at the same time, we can at the same time don't allow our country to be pulled apart just because of differences. Mm-hmm. Keep our differences. Keep the debate, keep vigorous debate and arguments, But at the same time. Have the bigger goal that understand America in the long run is the ability to live together for the common good, keep America strong despite our differences.
0: Yes, that's that's so true, and I think bringing the respect back to the conversations, you know, uh, being able to agree to disagree, being willing, you know, I, I think a lot of people who who are willing to listen to someone else. Um, that, that, I think that shows a great sign of maturity in your belief. Um, I, what I have found to be true is that when we're closed off and we refuse to hear the other side, um, that's not helpful for anyone. We've, we've got to be able to listen. If, if you're really rooted and grounded in your belief, then what someone else believes, it's not going to alter what you believe necessarily, but maybe there can be some um, some fruitful, uh, pro- productive um things that can come from that conversation. If we'll just allow ourselves to have it and to not be so angry, not not be so vicious with each other, you know, uh, just bringing the respect and the dignity back into the conversation is something that I'm such a champion of, you know, it is, it is very difficult when people that even people we love, when they just cut you out of their lives because you have a different, view of the world, (laughs) you know, we've got to, we've got to stop that. We've got to remember we all, like you say, we all are Americans and we have a, a, a long game here. It can't just be about this election. This is a long game. And you coming from communist China and actually experiencing what it feels like to not have the freedoms that we take for granted here every day. I think your voice is so relevant right now and it's so important And I thank you so much for being with me today. I know that um, that our viewers are really glad you're here. Let me see. Do you have time for one more question? Let me see. Okay, I know you're busy. Uh, Let's see. I've got one here. (laughs) This one says, uh, how does one work with. Ah evil when when we feel like we know that we have a spiritual enemy. I know you're a believer in Jesus Christ and, and I am too. We know we have a spiritual enemy here and we know that he is the, he comes to kill, steal and destroy. He comes to divide and he gets in, into these conversations. He gets into government houses, he gets into school boards, he gets into all of these areas. I think, I think I know what you're going to say just based on what I've heard, but please share with the people how when it's a spiritual battle and we feel like we can't get through to someone because we feel like that that spirit of evil is has really blinded them. How do we communicate? How do we get through there?
1: I, I feel that um, evil, w- without evil, there will be no good. Mm. So it's that difference. So evil is there because that that, that makes us appreciate what's really good. And uh, so evil is there. It's a part of the world. In fact, that's, you know, you think about God created everything. Why would God even allow evil to exist to begin with? Mm -hmm. I think God allowed evil to exist so that through overcoming those evilness, we can train our character, can increase our mental fortitude. So without evil, there will be no good. Mm -hmm. And the second part of the question is very interesting, that how can we, Overcome that evilness. How can we help ourselves, help our friends who we care so much that help them, you know, extract themselves from the evilness? And my answer is that look at your friend, your relative, and someone you love but yet have different opinions. Recognize you don't have to agree with that someone completely to love that person. You don't have to agree on everything with that person in order to develop relationship. Common ground is that concept that as an intentional search, what do you have in common with that person? However small that common ground is, but that's the starting point. Then through that, you will then have the opportunity to influence, change that person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So be patient and start from small. However small that common ground, because common ground is not the end game; it's the beginning point. It's the first step in 10,000 journey, 10,000 mile journey. And what is that journey going towards? It is towards unity. Mm -hmm. Unity is the ultimate goal, but common ground is the starting point. You don't have to agree with someone in order to love that person.
0: That's right. That's so good. And love is a decision. It's not a feeling. (laughs) Sometimes I always say I'm going to choose to love them and my feelings will catch up. (laughs) Eventually my feelings (laughs) will catch up. You know, uh, it and, and I do think that it's so important that we realize that we, we're never going to get through to anyone if we're shouting or if we are even um, forcing our views and our opinions on them. I think the beauty of the gospel is it's an attraction to Jesus. It's living out a life that that someone else admires or that wants to have, that they're attracted. And I think they're attracted to joy. And this kind of leads me into our ending today, because one of the things about you, Dr. Wang, that that I always love I always when you come into a room you just bring such a joy into the room. You cannot be in a bad mood around you. (laughs) You're always smiling and you're so, you are so gracious and you are so helpful and you are so grateful to live, to be an American. And so I think if people are seeing us just walking around depressed or downtrodden or, you know, angry all the time, no one's going to be attracted to that. But when we have a joy that can't be explained, even in the darkest moments out there, that's what people are attracted to, they say, what is it about Dr. Wang? Or what is it about this person? How can they be so joyful when X, Y, and Z is going on? And how do you do that? And then that starts conversations and then we have opportunities to to kind of ease into that common ground. And so in closing, I wanna show a clip of you. Uh, one of the things you mentioned earlier is that you, you not only learn to play the instrument, but you also learn to dance. And you're such a, an elegant dancer. And so I'm going to close the show with a clip of you ballroom dancing. Uh, but before I show that, I'm going to give you the last word. And uh, again, I thank you so very much for joining me today.
1: Thank you. I want to thank you, Time, for being on your show. I want to tell everyone that it is essential as a Christian to be able to develop the skill to seek common ground. So a common ground Bible study will be published in a few weeks. That is a four week Sunday school study and aggregate all parts of scriptures that has to do with common ground. Blessed are the peacemakers. So I encourage everyone to pick that book up and study what's the Jesus teaching in terms of how can we find common ground with people who are different from us. And also to answer your question very briefly, well, how can I find joy? We're always happy, even though I do have my own setbacks and mistakes is always focus on my effort rather than objective outcome. I always ask myself, have I done my best rather than rely upon my happiness on the actual what's gonna happen. We cannot control what's happening in our life, but we can control our effort.
0: That's that's so beautiful, so well said. Thank you again. Thank you all so much for watching and I'm gonna leave you with this beautiful clip. Have a great day, everybody.
1: Thank you.